Hello, everybody. Satirius Johnson here. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to say a few words about the COVID-19 outbreak and the California Now podcast. Many of you are likely staying home right now and have made the decision to put off your travel plans for the time being. We think this is a wise decision. Having said that, I'm willing to bet that many of you are eager to get back out in the world and maybe you're already dreaming about your next California adventure. I know I certainly am. Since so many of you are self-quarantining and may welcome a bit of distraction, we've made the decision to continue producing episodes as the situation allows. Please know that we've changed our processes to ensure the safety of our staff and our guests. We are recording new interviews remotely so guests don't have to travel to a studio and can maintain appropriate social distancing at all times. As for this episode, it showcases some of the most remote parts of California, destinations where you can enjoy natural beauty and wide open spaces while avoiding crowds. We hope you like it, and we hope things return to normal again soon. In the meantime, stay safe, and please enjoy this episode of California Now. Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Satirius Johnson. This episode is all about the great outdoors, amazing places with wide open spaces. Whether you prefer the comforts of a full-size RV or want to hit the trail with just a pack and a friend, guest Diana Kelly explains why California is an ideal destination for campers. People think of camping as this, oh, you got to go out in the dirt and you're cooking your dinner on a fire. And nowadays you can have all kinds of other experiences camping. You know, the fun of it is that it's really about what you want to get out of it. What kind of experience do you want to create? We'll also explore the striking landscapes of Pinnacles National Park. It can be a little startling almost as you enter the park. There's all these rolling hills of grass and oak trees, and all of a sudden, rising up out of that is this massive monolith, these towers of stone. And so when you see that, it, it can be a little jarring almost. Plus, we'll head north of Redding to check out Lake Shasta Caverns National Natural Landmark. That's all coming up on California Now. California is a big place full of incredibly scenic, wide-open spaces, and there's no better way to appreciate its epic scale than camping. Whether you prefer a recreational vehicle or a tent and sleeping bag, our next guest has insights into a variety of ways you can get out there. Diana Kelly is a backpacker and heads Camp Cal Now, an alliance of RV parks and campgrounds in the Western United States. Welcome to California Now, Diana. Thank you so much for having me. I love to get out and talk about camping any opportunity I can. Well, that's perfect for us. So let's start off with, um, you know, I think one of the things that appeals to a lot of people about traveling via RV and camping in general is that it gives you a lot of independence. I mean, there are so many ways you can go about it and almost limitless places to do it in California. Tell us a bit about that. Well, you know, California has so many wide open spaces. I mean, the state is enormous, right? And there's so many different ways to camp. So there's virtually something for everyone, you know, and, and people think of camping as this, you know, oh, you got to go out in the dirt and you're cooking your dinner on a fire. And nowadays you can have all kinds of other experiences camping and you know, the fun of it is that it's really about what you want to get out of it. What kind of experience do you want to create? And you're really kind of the master of your own little adventure. That is really incredible. Is, is there such a thing as, as like a typical camper in California? It seems like there are 
so many options that just depending on what you're into or, or, or maybe how much family you're bringing. You know, I, I would have said yes. You know, years ago, yes, there was like a standard camping family. Um, these days, it's all over the board. You know, you've got your boomers that are in their RVs, you've got backpackers, you've got glampers, you've got family camps. So there's, there isn't like a set camper. Nowadays, even people who typically don't camp or don't even really like the outdoors that much can get outside and actually camp. I really love the idea that people who don't maybe think of themselves as campers can actually, you know, participate in in it because there are so many options like glamping and things like that. So you can kind of dip your toe into it and get kind of as rustic as you want to. Oh, definitely. Now with there being so many different types of accommodations even, right? Everything from a backpack to a fully serviced glamping tent and a concierge to light your fire. Anybody who wants to get outdoors can find their own experience. So yeah, it's pretty spectacular. So let's go through some of the different types of camping that folks can do in California. Let's start with RVs. I gather if you don't own one, there are probably lots of rental options and and also that not all RVs are created equal. So can you give us kind of an overview of what options are out there, both big and small? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you're going to rent an RV or purchase an RV, one of the things you want to determine before you do that is where you're going, because there are different regulations with regards to the size of the RV that might prevent you from getting into certain areas. So when it comes to RVs, you've got your regular standard, what people consider motorhomes, but then you also have towables, right? So your motorhomes are listed in classes, class A, B, and C. And A are those big luxury diesel pushers. They're gorgeous. It's like a full-on home on wheels, right? They go anywhere from like 30 to 45 feet. They're pretty spectacular. (laughs) Um, Your class B come all the way down to your camper vans. Um, Now what we're seeing in the industry are these van conversions, right? Spectacular van conversions right? where you're basically in the size of a van, but you've got everything you need in there. They go up to about 24 feet is what's considered a class B. And then the class C are your kind of standard what we all kind of think of as the motorhome, your standard motorhome, your kind of average midsize family camper kind of thing. Um, but then you've got towables, right? So you've got everything from a tent trailer, which is a pop-up to those great little cute teardrops that everybody's coveting right now. <laughs> yeah. The travel trailers are hard sided, usually with a bathroom. You've got toy haulers, which have a garage for all your favorite toys. And then the fifth wheels are kind of like your class A of the towables. So they're, they require a special hitch. They require a a truck, but they're kind of like your class A of towables. So those are kind of your different options. And it depends largely on what you're comfortable with. Have you ever towed anything before? Right. Do you have a vehicle to tow it with? If not, maybe an RV is better for you. Are you comfortable driving an RV? What size? So those are a few things to kind of keep in mind when you're kind of when you're looking out there like, do I rent? Do I buy? What are we going to do? How are we going to take this vacation? Right. And and I, I did want to ask you about like, how is how easy is it to set up for electric and maybe plumbing when you have, you know, uh, an RV or something that takes that? I mean, for somebody who has never done it before. The electric is pretty easy. So that is basically a plug in. Right. So you're going to plug into a pedestal um, in most of the RV parks. 
The plumbing can be a little bit more difficult and definitely something you want to get a lesson on before you go do it. Most of the time in a campground or an RV park, especially, there'll be somebody around that has done it before and can kind of show you how. But before you rent, I would definitely make sure you get all of the details from the rental company. If you're doing a um, like an Airbnb type rental where you're renting someone else's RV, make sure they show you all of that beforehand. Is there an option where like the RV is just like already waiting there for me and, and ready to go when I get to the campground? There are options like that. I'm so glad you asked. Yeah, um, there actually are some areas and some um, RV dealers have a rental program where what they do is you call them up, you rent the RV, you tell them you've made reservations at, you know, a certain RV park, and they will actually go and deliver that RV or that travel trailer to the RV park, get it on your site for you so that all you need to do is show up and you bring your food, you bring your clothes, you enjoy your trip. And then when you're done, you clean it up, lock up, and then you take off and then they come and get it. Um, that's not available in all areas, so um, you'll want to call around and find out, but it is a great option for somebody who isn't comfortable towing their own vehicle. So say I'm not super familiar with California, but I'm thinking, you know, getting out there and cozying up to nature sounds like a really ideal, you know, getaway. I want to experience that. What's a good way to start finding and booking campsites? Well, there are numerous search engines out there right now. We actually have ours, camp-california.com, that uh, will give you a variety of options for RV parks and campgrounds all over the state. But the best thing to do is kind of get an idea of where you may want to go. Do you want to be up in the redwoods? Do you want to be in the desert? Do you want to be at the beach? Um, And once you kind of narrow that down, it makes it a lot easier. Like ours has a regional map on it. So you can say, oh, I can see all of California, the region I want to be in. You select the region and then it kind of breaks it down for you. So that's the best thing to do is kind of have some ideas on where you may want to be. Mm. Can you recommend a few places for people thinking about enjoying California from an RV? Maybe maybe you had a stay an extra day experience yourself. What, what comes to mind? Uh, you know, what's top of mind for you? Yeah, so if I was going to RV, there are a couple of places that I would recommend. There's this great spot up on the Klamath River. It's Blue Heron RV Park. It's not fancy. There's not a bunch of services, but it's spectacular. And it's on the Klamath River. And Mm. it's just a great little spot that is really, really awesome. It's like the last stop you could make before you go over the border. But I am an Eastern Sierra girl at heart. And so anything in the Walker Canyon, you know, from the Colville Walker area down to Bridgeport. Mm -hmm. There's some amazing places in Bridgeport um, that you can camp and and RV right there. And then one of our most popular, one of the, the questions that we get asked the most is all about the Central Coast, right? So your Central Coast is Anything from, you know, Mm. Big Sur down to past Santa Barbara. So anything in that Central Coast area is just spectacular. Pismo Beach happens to be extremely popular. Morro Bay, Santa Cruz, you know, they're great, really great RV spots. Um, So those are some some of the best ones, I think, for RVing. What about for folks who just want to kind of drive in, set up a tent? Uh, You know, what's a place that's not on everyone's bucket list, but really should be? Okay. Yeah, this is easy for me. Um, Lava Beds National Monument. Uh, Great, great little campground. Really more set up for tent camping than, you know, trailers and RVs. Um, There's like 813 different lava 
caves, lava tubes that you can go explore in. There's hiking trails that range anywhere from a few miles to 13 miles. So it was a really, really nice, really beautiful spot. And I would say if you have a chance to go there, you should. <laughs> it was really spectacular. What does it look like? Like, it sounds to me like lava beds and caves and things. It sounds to me like it might be kind of otherworldly. What, is it, what does it look like when you're there? So when you're there, it just looks like flat kind of high desert look to it. Um, and it's right there at Thule Lake, which is also one of the, um, hmm. the big flyways for all the birds traveling north and south. So that's pretty spectacular in and of mm -hmm. itself. But it looks just like a big flat high desert area until you are actually walking amongst the caves. And then you realize there's an entire system in there of these lava tubes and caves that go for miles and miles and miles. It's spectacular. Wow, that's really amazing. All right. So what are some practical tips you want to make sure people know when planning to camp in California? We love reminding people if you're outside in California, you tend to want to have sunscreen and also to dress in layers. What else should people know? You want to make sure that you are prepared. There are lists online. I think we even have one on our Camp California website um, that will tell you, here's some things that you should bring. Here's some things that you should think about. Um, if you're going to, if you have kids, you know, think about where you want to go. Do you want activities for them that are in the campground or do you want to go take them to do something? Um, so really consider what you what experience you want to create, uh, before going, cause that'll kind of lead you to your next list. What items do I need? What do we need to bring and how prepared can we be? So definitely, so be prepared and, and don't forget the uh, fixings for s'mores, right? Oh my gosh, of course not. Yeah, that's the best part, right? <laughs> this has really been great, Diana. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, really fun to be able to share all this information with everyone. And certainly if they have any questions, they can always give us a call here at Camp California. Diana Kelly is president and CEO of Camp Cal Now. Online, check out camp-california.com. You can find more on Facebook and Instagram at Camp California. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. California is renowned for its many national parks, monuments, and recreation areas, some over a thousand square miles in size. Well, among the smaller, more intimate options is Pinnacles National Park, located a little over an hour east of Monterey. It's a destination for hikers, rock climbers, birders, and fans of caves. Here to tell us more is Pinnacles Park Ranger Chris Simons. Welcome to California Now, Chris. Thank you, Satirius. Glad to be here. So what makes Pinnacles special? So... One of the things that I think brings people initially to the park would be our caves and our cliffs and our condors. It's kind of those central three C's that kind of most bring people initially to the park. However, once they get here, I think what really makes it special is how much of a personal experience people have on trail. And from there, people are able to more personally interact with our fields of wildflowers, our dark night skies, and these other incredible geological formations that really make the park stand out. And I've actually heard, you know, people call Pinnacles kind of like a boutique national park and kind of just getting to Pinnacles is kind of like leaving civilization behind, right? What's that like? Yeah, absolutely. Just the roads themselves coming into Pinnacles uh, on both sides of the park. Um, they're very narrow. They're very quiet. The surrounding ranch land 
for miles in every direction outside the park's borders is all farming and ranch land. And it's been very undeveloped. And so even driving to the park uh, creates a sensation almost that you're going back in time to kind of historical California. And you see these rolling hills, uh, no, almost no buildings, almost no development whatsoever, just rolling hills of flowers and grasses and trees. Uh, and so it very much kind of sets the ambiance for uh, getting into our federally designated wilderness spaces of the park, uh, this really wild and untamed, untrammeled element of the outdoors. I know that there are, there are two separate entrances to the park, and it's it's a good idea to, to really plan ahead and decide which one you plan to use because the park is kind of divided into two halves. Can you tell us a little bit about the two options? Uh, the east side of the park is kind of the busier one, um, and that is the side that most people come to. That is the side that has our campground on it, um, and so that's where most of our traffic is. There's also a west side, and the west side of the park is totally different view sheds, Closer access to some of our caves and some of our trails, a brand new gorgeous visitor center, very narrow road coming in. Those two sides do not connect. The road does not connect all the way through. Uh, so it's really important that people, you know, if you're trying to get to the campground, you want to make sure you go on, on the proper side, the east side. That's really great advice. Uh, the park's name has to do with some pretty spectacular rock formations you've been talking about a little bit. Can you kind of describe them for us? What do they look like when you're actually in the park? It can be a little startling almost as you enter the park. There's all these rolling hills of grass and oak trees. And all of a sudden, rising up out of that is this massive monolith, these towers of stone. And so when you see that, it, it can be a little jarring almost as you reach the, the bottom of those towers and you begin hiking up the trails. The trails kind of weave between these rock spires and it feels like you're almost walking in a city to some degree. And especially as you get up into our high peaks, there's a section of the high peaks trail called the steep and narrow. <laughs> it's, it's steep and it's narrow and it's just magnificent. Uh, it's like a ladder carved into the rock wall at one point and you climb the rock wall ladder uh, and it just makes for this incredibly engaging experience for the hiker where they really feel like they are kind of roughing it on the trail, uh, winding through these towering spires. Then once you, you know, get closer, tight and cozy with these with this city of stone, you start noticing as well that down below in the valleys, there's these cave systems and these cave systems are not like normal, normal caves. They're not standard caves. A lot of caves are dissolved by water or remaining lava tunnels, uh, magma tunnels in the rock. And our caves are talus caves. That means the rock fall caves. And so when you go through them, there's often... Uh, patches of sky poking out, or you're hiking underneath boulders the size of trucks. And so when you're walking through these caves, you're looking up at these massive boulders just wedged between the rocks directly above you. And it's just incredible. Pinnacles is unusual in that it gives people an opportunity to really kind of explore the cave. So tell us about that experience, actually, you know, getting down deep into the, the cave system. Our caves are very unique in the national park system because you are allowed to show yourself through the caves at your own pace. They're just on the trail. It's not a guided cave experience. You show yourself through the caves uh, at your own pace whenever you please. So you absolutely do need a flashlight for when you come to visit. The caves themselves are, as I mentioned, the talus caves, the rockfall caves. And so uh, as you're hiking uh, and, and kind of crawling underneath these massive boulders above you, uh, it's all the more important that you 
keep an eye on that while also keeping an eye on your feet because uh, water flows through our caves as well. So the more solitude you can get in the caves makes for all the better. It's dark, it's wet. Uh, depending on how much rain we have in the cave, it can make for an incredible experience where if, we've, if, we, if we get a, a decent bit of rain, the caves themselves will rain as the water percolates through the rock. Mm. It will drip from the cave ceiling and it'll be like it's raining in the cave. <laughs> What's it like getting to the caves? Is it, is it doable even if I'm not like the most rugged explorer? It's certainly not an easy trail through either of our caves. And so that's something to keep in mind. But going through the caves themselves, they're very close and very accessible. It just depends on what side of the park you come to. So on our east side of the park, we have the Bear Gulch Caves. Those are the ones we take our K-12 students um, on when we do guided ranger hikes. If you're looking for a more adventurous cave, we recommend the Balconies Cave. And that's going to be the one that's closer to the west side entrance. It's only, it's only a mile or so up the trail. When you enter that cave, you'll notice immediately that unlike the Bear Gulch Cave that has a staircase and a handrail, it's, a, it's been opened up a little bit. Uh, to make it more accessible, our balconies caves are more rugged. And so as you start going through the balconies caves, you'll notice immediately that this is a this is a mostly in its natural condition talus cave. Uh, and so it's even mm. more critical that you have that headlamp with you or a flashlight um, because it's just an incredible experience. You want to go through that cave feeling the full adventure of it. It always reminds me of uh, Tom Sawyer or Frodo taking the ring to Mordor. It's just an incredible adventure to be able to show yourself through the cave on your own little uh, adventure of your own. That's really interesting. And and I also know that that, that California condors are actually a, a key part of what draws people to the park. I know they're, they're, they're a big conservation success story in the state as well. Can you give us uh, some of that history? Yeah, absolutely. The condors are uh, one of the most incredible things. They're kind of one of the three main features that draw people to the park. The condors themselves are they're one of the largest and rarest birds in the world. Uh, they have about a nine and a half foot wingspan, which it's one thing for me to even verbally say that, and that <laughs> sounds big. But try just measuring that out on your own. We have actually several life-size replicas here just because when you see that size for yourself, it's just incredible. So they're one of the largest birds in the world, but they're also one of the rarest. And that is a huge story of conservation. At one point, their population drops to just 22 left in the world. Uh, and, and from there, captive breeding programs were able to bring their numbers up over the last 30, 40 years. And so now we have about 500 California condors in the mm. world. But of that number, only about 300 are wild. And of that number, our flock numbers about 35 here at the park. We are here at Pinnacles, one of the best places in the world to see California condors. What are some of the ways that people visit Pinnacles? I guess you can you can camp there. You can maybe go in the morning for a day hike. What about night hikes? Do you have those? Oh, absolutely. We have incredible night skies here, uh, partially and in a large bit of thanks to how undeveloped the surrounding uh, ranch land uh, of Pinnacles is. With that limited development, it gives us incredible night skies. And so we actually occasionally have star parties uh, where astronomers mm -hmm. will come down from San Jose and... Uh, it's, a, it's a visitor interactive experience. People can come and look through the telescopes there and observe our night skies because we do have incredibly clear night skies. But even if you don't plan on coming to a star party, you're always welcome to visit our park uh, after dark. We have, we have an expression. We say half the park is after dark because of how much <laughs> there is to do here. 
with that, there's always the concern of make sure that you are fully capable in yourself, because if you have your map downloaded and you're ready to go, um, then you don't need like, our visitor centers won't be open for people to grab maps if they uh, if they haven't come prepared at that time. Um, our right. uh, facilities, our offices are all closed. And so you, if you're going to come after dark, then highly recommend. It's wonderful. It's a fantastic way to have the park to yourself. I myself hike at night all the time just because it's so gorgeous. Just make sure you're prepared. Do you get a lot of people traveling like by RV? Does Pinnacles have facilities for that crowd? Yes, we do. On the east side campground, uh, that's the only side that has the campground. So make sure you're coming through the east side. But we have an RV specific uh, element of our campground uh, where you can you know, hook up, plug in, all that good stuff. And for that, you should always check with our campground prior to your arrival um, to make sure or on recreation.gov to make your uh, campsite reservation. But we are fully accommodating of RVs for folks that want to travel that way. There's also many places around the park, just outside the park, opportunities for folks to uh, like other campgrounds, both private and public nearby areas as well, just in case our campground is full already. But you still want to come our way. Well, Chris, I mean, this conversation has been really great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. (laughs) Absolutely, Satirius. Thanks for having me. Chris Simons is a park ranger at Pinnacles National Park in Central California, online at nps.gov slash P-I-N-N. And you'll want to head to Instagram to see some really stunning photos at Pinnacles NPS. As always, we'll have links and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. We love showcasing destinations that are off the beaten path, and this next one truly qualifies. In fact, it's underground. I'm talking about Lake Shasta Caverns, located north of Redding, California. This network of caves is recognized as a national natural landmark, and pictures from inside the cave are otherworldly. My guest, Matthew Doyle, has been leading cave tours there for nearly 20 years. Welcome to California Now, Matthew. Well, thank you very much. Can you kind of describe what it looks like when you first walk into the caverns? Like, I I would imagine that it it would be kind of a striking contrast to what you were just in in the outdoors. You know, what really amazes visitors when they first walk in? Even before you get into the cave, especially during the summertime when uh, the majority of our guests are there and it's, you know, 90, 100 degrees, we open that door and they get a very strong blast of cold 58 degree air and you could hear everybody in the crowd go ah (laughs) so so that kind that kind of primes them uh they walk down a a quick 150 foot tunnel and then they start uh ascending a small flight probably about 20 steps and then boom you start seeing formations stalactites stalagmites flowstone can can you kind of like paint a word picture for somebody try to describe like what it looks like and kind of what the reaction is from people when they actually see the inside of the actual caverns. It's all crystal. So any lights that we have in there start reflecting light. So there's sparkles all over the place. If you dim the lights down low enough, it'll actually look like a starry night uh, or that you're sitting in the middle of space with stars all around you. Some of these stalactites are growing up to four or five feet long you know, about a foot in diameter, but all types of formations. And the interesting thing is all the formations are by one crystal, but they form differently. So flowstone is kind of like a rock sheet that flows over and, and 
covers the terrain of the area. So we have that in the cave. We have the stalactites, stalagmites. We also have a very rare formation. It's called a halectite, and it's formed by water pressure uh, through the through the wall. The interesting part about this is you know, stalactites hang from the ceiling. Stalagmites grow up from the ground. Halectites aren't bound, so they look like giant spaghetti patches. Uh, very interesting and very delicate work. So you have these real hard rock, but you can look at these other formations and realize that they're completely delicate. What kind of people tend to go on caverns tours? Everybody. We literally get people from all around the world. Typically, we, we see a large family population because it is a family adventure. That, that's our main demographic. That's the main people that come. Uh, just people looking on vacation, spending time on Shasta Lake. So people, you know, they'll come up during the week of their vacation and, and go on there. We have courtesy docks for those houseboats and for regular boats. So we have boat traffic coming in, families. But we also get a lot of uh, people that are interested in caves. We also get Bigfoot hunters up there because it is a very popular <laughs> area for Bigfoot. Uh, so it's not really limited. I, I think there, I think that's the most important thing about caves is they offer some sort of interest to every demographic, whether it's exploration, uh, education, just stewardship, uh, natural environment. So it, it's very encompassing. What about bats? Are there bats in the cave or any other kind of creatures that might be, you know, using it as a habitat? Oh, yeah, our lovely baby brown bats. Uh, we have a small population of bats uh, inside the cave. They're not always visible to the uh, tour, but we do. I We usually have places where we can find and locate, but they're small. They fit in the size of, uh, in the palm of your hand, and they're cute little things. I, they really are. That's really great. So so once I'm actually in the caves, is it is it fairly easy to move around? Do I have to bend or stoop or anything like that to kind of get around? There's no bending, no stooping, no crawling. Uh, I'm, I'm about five foot nine and I can walk through uh, absolutely fine, not, not even turn into a side. And I've had uh, larger people, six foot two and a couple hundred pounds, no problem. Now, uh, the only thing we do have is a lot of stairs because we are a vertical cave. Uh, so we have about 650 stairs inside and out. So we do have options for uh, some people that can't make it, whether they want to uh, stay in the lower section and find some of the information there or just head down to the, our visitor center and wait for their group. Um, but it's amazing. Um, I, I found out working there, you can never judge anybody. Our record was uh, she was 94 years old, went through the cave, came out and said, I want to do this again. Hmm, that's really amazing. It's nice that you have options for people who, you know, maybe have different abilities that they can still actually, you know, partake and and experience the kind of magical environment that the caverns offer. Well, exactly. And and with that mindset, I I understand it's uh physically limiting. So in 2005, I created the Lake Shasta Dinner Cruises. And that was the basically 2-hour tour minus the cave. And on the lake, giving them information about the cave, the fauna, uh, animals, uh, but also feeding them a fantastic meal. That sounds really great. And I would imagine also, you know, being on the boat, um, in addition to seeing maybe the bats in the caverns, what other kind of wildlife might I see while I'm there? I mean, I've heard that maybe you, you might see bald eagles or bears as well. Maybe catch a sight of deer swimming in the lake. That is correct. So our caverns are located on a peninsula. And even though the caverns are developed and we have our small uh, one lane road going up to the caverns, 
it is completely remote. The closest uh, uh, road to us is 10 miles to the north and not connected. So being very remote, it is a nice habitat for wildlife. We have, of course, our um, black-tailed deer, but we also have many spottings of black bear, the California black bear, bald eagles all the time, uh, condors, peregrine falcons, uh, and of course, the almighty fierce gray squirrel. <laughs> That's great. Let's talk a little bit about the surrounding area. What are what are some ways that people there like to enjoy the outdoors? I would imagine hiking would be a big one. Oh, it's it's an outdoor recreational paradise. Uh, we have hiking, kayaking, uh, you name it. We do it outdoor recreation. As a matter of fact, we have uh, on Shasta Lake, we have all, all of our water play. You can pretty much do anything on the water other than parasailing. So wakeboarding, skiing, fishing, and we have 32 different varieties of sport fish, anything from uh, bass, salmon, crappie. We have crappie up there as well as sturgeon. And minimum keep size for sturgeon is 42 inches. So this is all that's happening in Shasta Lake as, as far as outdoor recreation. And it really is the sky's the limit, whether you want to scale Mount Lassen or Mount Shasta or snowboard. I'm an avid snowboarder. I've been doing it for over 30 years now. That's my home. I love the mountain. Hiking trails, snowmobiling trails. We have literally thousands of miles of trails, hiking, biking, snowmobiling, motocross, OHV, you name it. Right. Sounds really amazing. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of stargazing. How are the dark skies out there? Is it a good place to kind of gaze up at the stars? Oh, I'm an astronomy geek too. And yes. Uh, so one of my favorite things to do during summer is I always typically either, I have a boat, but every once in a while I like to get a uh, houseboat and there is nothing like it. Even though we're rather close to Reading, uh, there, there's some sort of demarcation uh, from the foothills that you're completely in black. If there's a no moon night, you can see the Milky Way, you can see shooting stars, planet, and very bright too. It's not faded. It's it's amazing. That sounds like a fun twist on stargazing, doing it on the water, which is really, that sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, and it's soothing. Of course, so you, if you can imagine on a boat, a little bit rocking back and forth and looking up at the stars. And I mean, it's it's bright. It actually lights up <laughs> a little bit of the lake. Uh, and, and... During the summertime, uh, between July and August, the surface temperature of the water is 75 degrees. So when, if it starts getting chilly while you're stargazing, you just pop in the water for a couple minutes and warm up, and then you're good. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. <laughs> so, so for people visiting the area, what's a good place to kind of use as a base? I'm thinking maybe Redding. Is that a good place to kind of you know act as your, your launching off point and the, your base of operations? If you're traveling with a family, yes, I would strongly suggest uh, a Redding because we have other family-oriented things there like Turtle Bay Museum, Waterworks Park. Um, so you have that. It's a nice, convenient area for the family. But if you're a true outdoor enthusiast, uh, say like an angler or somebody that's hiking, we have uh, cottages up on the lake, uh, Sugarloaf and Sazdi Resorts that beautiful little cabins. They have courtesy docks if you have a boat to put in the water, uh, kitchenettes. So it's like a little condo on the lake. And if, if for couples, absolutely perfect. If you want a little, you know, get away and but still have some outdoor activity right in front of you, it's all right there. That sounds really great. Uh, Matthew, we have to wrap up soon. But first, 
Are there any fun facts or, or little geological nuggets you want to share about Lake Shasta Caverns? Well, since you mentioned astronomy, uh, the main mineral that forms all the formations inside of the cave is called calcite. Well, if uh, you're good at astronomy and you know your history, Galileo's first lenses were made out of optical calcite. So that's kind of an interesting little fact. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that sounds really amazing. Matthew, this has been so great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Oh, I, I appreciate it. Matthew Doyle is general manager at Lake Shasta Caverns in Shasta County, California. They're online at lakeshastacaverns.com. As always, we'll have links and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. Thank you for listening to California Now. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find our show on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe and you can learn more about California and plan your next visit at visitcalifornia.com slash podcast.